We'll begin in verse number 23, Acts chapter 24, maybe verse 22. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or to come unto him. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and the judgment and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should be, should have been given him of Paul, and that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener, and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came unto Felix's room, and Felix, willing to shew the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So this uh, scripture, probably very familiar to you. But here is Paul called by Felix to come. You know, I believe that uh, uh, Felix's wife, Drusilla, may very well be a part or part of the reason that uh, Paul is called to come. So, you know, this... uh, Ananias has come and brought this great orator, Tortellus, in the first of the chapter. They brought all these charges against Paul. Uh, Paul has been dismissed. Felix has given him some sort or some amount of liberty that he can come and go. Though he's bound, his acquaintance can come. But then we find that uh, after certain days... Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish. So this woman, Drusilla, is the daughter of Agrippa that was eaten by worms. A brother to Agrippa that you're going to read about in the next chapter. And she was married to a man named... Azelus, I believe was his name, the king of Essenes. But Felix set his eyes on her. She's claimed to be a very, very beautiful woman. Set his eyes upon her. History says, and even uh, um, one of the historians of Judaism says that there was a sorcerer, possibly the one that's mentioned in the seventh chapter of Acts, got her to leave her husband and marry Felix. So thinking about the history of this woman and this man, this man, this is probably his third wife. Here he stands. Paul stands before Felix and his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish. 
So she has some knowledge of Judaism, been raised around that and in that. But you know, their life, their life is in shambles spiritually. Here is Paul, the Lord's apostle, the Lord's minister, and he's going to stand before them and they called for Paul and heard him concerning faith and Jesus Christ. So as you think about this, here's Paul's opportunity to share the Word of God, what Jesus. So I believe that Drusilla being a Jewish, maybe she wanted to hear about Paul's perception. What did he think? We hear about this man Paul. He's brought on charges by the Jewish religion. I mean, here's uh, verse number uh, 1, after many days Ananias the high priest. So here's a man that's opposed to Paul. Yet here is Paul going to speak to them about faith in Jesus Christ. Here is a woman that if she's acquainted with Judaism, been raised a Jew, here is a woman that even Ananias and the rest of Judaism believes by the Old Testament there is a Messiah coming. There is a Savior coming. So Paul, what's your story? What do you have to say? Who is this man, Jesus? So Paul, this is the way Luke wrote it down. Concerning the faith, so the trust in Christ. What, what was Paul going to give to them? Well, I'll say this. Paul was going to talk to them. And I believe the Holy Ghost is going to talk to them as well. I believe we see the evidence of that. So, this Word of God, as Paul speaks to them concerning heard him concerning faith in Christ. So that word means trust, but it also means this, a persuasion by God. Faith comes by persuasion of God. Now do you believe that? I come to trust in the Lord Jesus by persuasion of God. You might say, well, that's, that's up to you. I don't read that in my Bible. What I read in my Bible, I could read a few verses to you. I read in Romans chapter number 12, a very misused Scripture. Listen with me in Romans chapter 12, realizing this, that Paul is talking to brethren in, ver in chapter 12. He's talking to a church as the whole of Romans, but to brethren who have come to faith. Verse number 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, saved, born again, not to think that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God 
have dealt to every man, not every man in the world. Paul, the same, the same man that I believe wrote the book of Romans, wrote to us in Thessalonians that all men have not faith. But given to every man according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the believer. He's talking to the brethren. But notice this, that God gave that. That that faith is a gift of God. In Galatians, or in Ephesians, Paul says, "...by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God." So it is God who gives faith to believe. It is God that gives this gift of faith. And you know something? You were persuaded if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have your faith and trust in Him, you were persuaded by God to put your faith in Him. So they're hearing, and I believe that, you know, you've got to look at this in both ways, folks. God's doing the persuasion in the vertical. He's using Paul the Apostle to proclaim the Word of God, speak to them about righteousness, about temperance, and judgment to come. Paul is on the timeline. God Almighty is infinite and the ultimate persuader. Paul is the, the timeline. You know, if you think about God being the author, right? So God's the author. What's Paul? I tell you, he's the one doing the work in the story that God's writing. Paul is one that God is using. So, I don't want to make too much of that, but I believe it's very important. You know, I believe that it's an important thing to see that there's a work of God going on in the heart by the work of the Holy Spirit, but God is using His man to carry that work out. So as He reasons with them, so that word means to say thoroughly, to discuss in exhortation. So, you know, there's not really a discussion going on here between the two parties, but there is a discussion going on that Paul is exhorting them. Paul is giving them the Word of God and exhorting them through this Word of God. Paul is reasoning with them. He is speaking to them thoroughly. <laughs> you know what he's doing? I tell you, Paul is addressing their life. Paul is addressing their need. For everyone sitting here today, would it be good for us to understand about righteousness, temperance, and the world to come, judgment to come? Would it be good for us to have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, if God so loved the world that He sent His Son, would it be good for me to have trust in His Son? Would it be good for me to be persuaded by God that I should put my trust in the Son? Would it be good for me today to understand that there's no other means of salvation but the Lord Jesus Christ? 
that there's no other mediator between God and man but the man, Jesus Christ? Would it be good for me today to have my faith anchored and settled and founded and grounded in the work that Jesus Christ did when He came to the earth? Are we today? Do we have our faith in this? You know, you might think, well, this was just a happenstance or this was, well, it must have been Felix was convinced by Drusilla. Let's go hear what this man has to say. I mean, I've been raised in religion. I've been raised in church. Felix doesn't know any of that. Why do you think he has such a knowledge? Why does Paul say that he has such a knowledge? I believe it's very much so because of his wife. Is his wife a saved woman? Is there any reason whatsoever to think that she's a saved woman? She's a religious woman. She's been raised religious. But I want you to notice this. I'll just say this up front. Notice that Felix is affected by the preaching, but she is not. She's got the greater knowledge, the greater experience. She has more knowledge than he does. She's been raised a Jew, but she is unaffected by the preaching that Paul does. Looks like it could be a great disadvantage, doesn't it? I don't mean that in the wrong way, and I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just saying this that I believe she had a trust in her religion. I believe she was unaffected. Her mind and her heart was settled and founded and maybe hardened to the fact this man's going to tell us about Jesus. This man is going to tell us about Christ. But you know something? I've already got my mind made up. I'm good enough. Through my religion and through my ceremony, I am, I am, I, I'm just fine. Are we, are we really just fine? As he reasoned of righteousness, to say thoroughly, to discuss in exhortation. So Paul reasons with them. You know what Paul's doing? I tell you, Paul is talking about the righteousness that there is not in Christ Jesus. They're going to have to realize that their righteousness is failing before they ever put faith in Christ Jesus. How is your righteousness? Would you say that your righteousness, is it good? Is it, is it, 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 are, are you a just person? Could you say this, that before God, you're just? Are you just before God? Have you done enough for God to accept you? Have you been right in all of your living? Have you done the right thing always? Have you always said the right thing? Is there anything in your conscience that bothers you? Is there anything through your life that you felt guilty about? Has there been any condemnation in your life? Have you said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, acted the wrong way, failed to make the mark, failed to meet the uh, uh, commandments of God, failed to treat your fellow man right? 
Has that ever happened? Well, I tell you, according to the Word of God, uh, friend, we've all failed and we've all come short and we've all failed to meet the righteous requirements of God Almighty. And you know, if I think about my own righteousness, how am I going to stand before God if a man... Now think with me, if a man can stand before me and bring me to a place of trembling, how will it be when I stand before God? Are you justified today? In yourself, are you justified today? Are you righteous today? As Paul reasons with them, as Paul thoroughly goes over the righteousness that God requires, what does God require? You know what I hear today? I hear a lot of this. God just wants you to do the best you can. Well, let me ask you this. Is the best I can the same as the best this man can? Is it the same as this man can? Is it the same as this man can? Is it the same as this lady can or you? Is that what God's accept? God accepts just the best that you can. All God expects you to do is just the best that you can. Will that, will that satisfy God's righteousness? Will the best that you can? I ask you this, friend. Out of 8 billion people on the face of the earth today, and looking back some 6,000 years, has there been a man that God accepted because he did the best that he could? Has there been one? Can I read in my Bible and find that God found one when He searched the heaven, searched the earth, and searched beneath the earth? Was there one that did the best that He could that measured up and met the requirements of God's righteousness? Where are we? Where are we today? So as He reasons with them of righteousness... Really, he's talking about justice. Are we just before God? Can a man be just? Job's asked that question. Can a man be just before God? By the Word of God, the Old and the New Testament, there's none that are just before God. He also reasons with them about temperance, about moderation, about restraint, about self-control. Now, look at their lives. So here is a woman that was raised a Jew. Here was a woman that was married to a man who has left that man and married to another man. This is his third wife. A man of cruelty. A man that uh, takes bribery. A man who loves to be paid off. A man who is ungodly. A man who is unjust. A man who is interested in uh, satisfying people. A man who is not interested in God. Is this man temperate? Is this woman temperate? Does man have any self-control? I tell you, man, a friend has no self-control without the work of God Almighty down in the heart and the soul. A friend outside of that man is prone to wander. You know how far he's prone to wander? I tell you, farther and farther and farther away from God. That's where man goes. Now God's working here. God's working. 
I can't see any evidence that is working in Drusilla, but we see evidence that is working in Felix. A man who is a pagan. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that a man who is a pagan, God's working on. And a woman who is religious, God does not give any evidence that He is uh, working in her having any effect on her, that it is getting to her heart, that it is stirring her, that it's bringing her to a place of conviction or convincing or fear or trembling or anything. It looks as though Drusilla is unaffected by the Word of God. Is that where we are today? You know, you, you just think about this. <laughs> We're so blessed today that we don't need anything from God. We're living in that world today that we're so blessed. I believe Drusilla is a picture, a friend of someone who is trusting in what she's got and what she's done and the ceremony and the religion and she is unaffected. It might very well be uh, that she is there and once Paul starts and begins to expound on the Word of God and on righteousness, you know when he talked about righteousness, she may have shut him down right then. I don't want to hear this. I'd like to say to you today that there's absolutely nothing about you that wants to hear the Word of God in your natural man. There's nothing about your spiritual man because your spiritual man is in the, under the control of the devil until God comes by and moves him out of the way. So can you see the absolute impossibility that you would be interested in hearing a word from God? Unless God begins to do a work in you, that's the reason that people have no interest in church, no interest in the Word of God, no interest in the preaching of the Gospel. That's the reason there's no interest because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. What a privilege that Felix is given. Not to discount the privilege that Drusilla is given, but it seems as though Felix is given a greater opportunity and a greater privilege than this woman who has been raised in Judaism. You think with me. Look at the verses. Let's just walk down through them. As he reasoned of righteousness, of temperance, and judgment to come. So is there really a judgment to come? Are we really going out to meet God? Is there really a payday? Is there really a price for sin? Is there really a price for unrighteousness? Is there really a price for being unsaved? Is there really a price for the rejection of the Son of God? Is there really a price, a friend, for not 
hearing, not desiring, not longing, not realizing our need for a Savior, is there really a price to pay after that? Well, I tell you, there's a price to pay. What is the price? Well, I tell you, for the unsaved, the price, friend, the price is, I believe one of the first things that Felix is going to face and Drusilla is going to face is going to be Acts chapter number 24, verse 24. They called for Paul. They called to hear. Listen to what the Bible says. 24 and 24. And after certain days when Felix come came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul. Can you imagine uh, coming down to the end of the way, friend, and God Almighty has granted your request that you could hear about Jesus, hear about your own unrighteousness, hear about your intemperance, hear about your uh, un, uh, un, unable, your inability uh, to be able to control yourself, uh, your uh, knowledge that judgment is to come, and friend, turn that away, not be saved, not come to uh, salvation, and then to remember this. Do these people deserve this? Do they deserve? <laughs> Look at what God gave. God gave the man that wrote 13 books of the New Testament. God gave the greatest preacher, the greatest knowledge, the greatest experiences, he gave them an audience with that man filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be of no, it's going to be of no avail. At the end of Paul's sermon, and you know something, he's going to come again and again according to the Word of God. But I don't read ever, ever again that God dealt with Felix. I don't read that God ever sent Paul to stand before Drusilla again. Though he stood before Felix again, Felix was never affected again, do we have in history, like he's affected right here. So I wonder today, as we think about judgment to come, novius friend, we're talking about eternal and everlasting separation from the goodness of God. Separation from everything that is good. Separation from everything that is right. Separation from the light cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Separated from God, cast into the region of the damned, cast into hell. Uh, friend, do you know this? You know the rich man in hell, the rich man in hell remembered. The rich man in hell, I said, send him down to my father's house. The rich man in hell could feel. Uh, the rich man in hell could see. Uh, the rich man in hell, uh, friend, what is that man doing? I tell you, that man is still in torments today. There is a judgment to come, friends. There's a judgment coming, uh, friend, and you know what? It's all going to hinge on what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Will you be persuaded? Will you be persuaded today? As he reasoned with them of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled. What's going on with Felix? I believe there's an awakening going on in Felix. I believe there's an enlightening going on in Felix. I believe this is the day. This is the day that God is pleading with Felix. This is the day that God makes Felix aware of his own condition before God. I tell you, Paul is talking and reasoning with them about faith, but he's also speaking to them about righteousness, about temperance and judgment to come. Paul is talking to them about their own lives. Paul is speaking to them about the condition of their life. Paul is speaking to them about what God required. Uh, friend, know this, that you and I have no righteous, uh, we have no righteousness of our own. A judgment is coming. Uh, friend, you know what we are today? Oh, I tell you that God, that God would be mindful of us, send us a mission, uh, convict us with the Holy Spirit, convince us even to make us tremble, uh, to make us to think again, uh, to make us reason, uh, to make us to be enlightened, uh, to open our heart, to open our mind, a friend to bring us to a place uh, that we would even tremble in the flesh, we would be alarmed, we would be concerned. A friend, what's going on with Felix? I tell you, God's doing a work in this man right here uh, to bring him to a place, a friend of believing or rejecting. What are we going to do with this? And as he reasoned of judgment to come, Felix trembled. You know, what's bothering him? What do you say? The truth. I do believe it's the Holy Ghost. I do believe it's the Word of God. But I believe it's the truth. I believe the truth of his condition has made him tremble. I believe the revelation of God, a friend that brought God brought to Felix about his own life and his own condition before God and the fact that there's coming a day that Felix said, you know something, friend? Judgment. What does that mean? It means to bring to account. You know, December 31st, I may start the next day, and it may be two or three months down the road, but I tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to bring all the, the debits and credits in my life to an account to present that to the IRS. And you are as well. Know this, that one day we're going to bring to an account unto God. We're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of this life. We're going to give an account of the opportunity. We're going to give an account of the knowledge. We're going to give an account of when you say, well, preacher, everybody, everybody doesn't get that same opportunity. 
Well, I believe they get that same opportunity. Which do you believe? Do you believe everybody gets the same opportunity? Or do you believe that some people get a greater opportunity? Do you believe that Tyre and Sidon didn't get the opportunity that Capernaum had? Or do you believe that Sodom and Gomorrah did not get the opportunity that Bethsaida had? I'll tell you, friend, that God has given you an opportunity that multitudes and millions and millions of people on the face of the earth do not He gave Felix an opportunity right here. And Felix is trembling. I believe exactly what Chris said. He is trembling. He is trembling under the work of the Holy Spirit. He is trembling under the Paul, uh, Paul's preaching. He is trembling under the work of God in him. But he's pre- he is trembling because of the truth that has been revealed unto him about his own life. You know the devils believe and tremble. Are they saved? What are you going to do with the knowledge that God has given you of your condition? You know, here's here's an awakening. Here, oh my God, how wonderful that God would be mindful and awaken a man to his condition. Just think with me about a thing or two. You're driving down the interstate. Maybe it's 6 o'clock in the morning and the sun's hitting you in the face. You're headed to the ocean. Maybe it's 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 7 in the evening, and the sun's hitting you in the face. You're headed west. And I tell you what, you're just doing your best to keep your eyes open. And as you begin to drift off of the road, thank God there's an alarm there. Thank God there's a rumble strip. And you know what it does? I tell you, it jerks you back into reality. It jerks you back into time. It jerks you back into the fact you're just about how to kill you and the multitude that are with you. I was laying in the bed one night and I tell you something in the basement sounded like a shotgun going off. I mean, I'm out of the bed in a half a second headed down the hall. Go to the basement and I look around and there's my truck. I just had a new set of tires put on that day. They pinched one of them. Blew that tire out. You talk about an awakening. I tell you, can you imagine now? Probably you, most likely, you've heard what it sounds like when the, uh, uh, when the battery begins to go dead in the fire alarm. You've probably heard that. You've probably even tested it to make sure it works. Can you imagine hearing that sound in the middle of the night? You think I'm going to lay there? You think I'm going to just uh, uh, try to try to put my hands over my ears and block that sound out? Oh, I tell you, here is a sound that's making Felix tremble. Here is an alarm going off in his life. Here is him being enlightened. Here is God calling unto him and telling him, Felix, you're headed for judgment. How often does this happen? 
Listen in Ecclesiastes, you already know it. Third chapter. To everything there is a season and a time and to every purpose under heaven. You believe God knows everything. Do you? Does God know the day you're going to be saved? Does God know the day that you're going to reject the last time? Does God know that? Can you change that? So does God have a time? Is there a time? Now now listen to the next verse, Ecclesiastes 3.2. A time to be born. How precise is that? I don't know that they've got the seconds on it, but you know for the children that are born, I believe every one of us sitting here today, most likely there's a record, a birth certificate, that's got it down to the minute when and where we were born. Is there a time to be born again? Who's in control of that time? Is there a time to die? Does, is God in control of that time? Can I change that? So there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to be born again. Would you say with that being said, that there is a time that God will never deal with you again? I do have evidence that God is dealing with Felix. I do believe by the Word of God that God is dealing with Felix. I believe that God is troubling him. God has brought him to a revelation that he's never ever thought about before, never thought about his condition before, never thought about that God was going to bring his deeds, his righteousness, his lack of continence, his inability how to control himself. I tell you that God has revealed unto Felix, Felix, there's a day that you're going to bring everything to an account. Is he a just God? Is the whole world guilty before him? I don't know. I don't know what your hesitation is. The whole world is guilty before God. The whole world life in wickedness, according to First John. The whole world is relaxed in wickedness. It life in wickedness in a relaxed state. Do you know this, friend? Here's a man that's got his third wife. Here's a man that's uh, unbelievably corrupt. Here's a man that took a man's wife away from him. Here's a man that is relaxed in his wickedness. Nothing bothering him. This day. God has blessed him that God would bother him. And today, if God is bothering you, I tell you what you are. You are a blessed individual that God would bother you, that God would cause you to tremble, that God would cause you uh, uh, to consider, that God would bring to light your condition, that God would bring to you the knowledge that you, you are going to stand before God one day and give an account. You're going to stand before God one day, our friend, and answer for your sin. 
you're going to answer unto God. Why, preacher, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. Well, I'll say this, friend. If He paid for the whole world, uh, what in the world are you going to die and go to hell for? If He paid for the whole world's sin, then I wonder what are you going to pay for? Well, the only sin that He didn't pay for is unbelief. Well, I ask you this. Is there any greater sin than unbelief? Is there any greater a failure in man than not believing that Jesus Christ was the finished work of God in your salvation? If He prayed for all sin, I tell you, there's no greater sin than unbelief. I tell you what's going to happen. We're either going to be written in the Lamb's book of life or we're going to be judged out of the books according to our works. So is there a time? There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn. There's a time that God has set in your pathway. Is God dealing with you? I tell you, Felix is getting an opportunity that many, many millions and billions of other people have not got. Felix is getting an opportunity. Now, I ask you, why should he get an opportunity? I tell you what it is, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Does this man deserve an opportunity more so than the man that's uh, down there grinding at the mill? Does this man deserve an opportunity more so than the lady down there that her husband died in the war? Is this man, uh, is he deserving? No, I'll tell you what it is. It's the wonderful, marvelous, wonderful grace and mercy of God that Felix would hear the Gospel. Not only did Felix hear the Gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Felix is touched and moved on by the Holy Spirit in himself. I do not say, and I will not say, that you cannot resist the Holy Spirit. Stephen preached to that crowd that were there that day, that they do always resist the Holy Spirit. What is Felix going to do? He is going to resist the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says. As he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I wrote this down in my Bible. A wonder twice. A wonder that God would speak to this man. But what is a greater wonder than that? Is that man would turn away the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A wonder, an absolute wonder and grace of God that Felix would be spoken to. That Felix would have an opportunity. Felix, folks, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have this opportunity. 
Tyre and Sidon didn't have this opportunity. You say, well, Jesus was down in Tyre. You know, all that I see that was brought out of Tyre was that Syrophoenician woman. Felix is getting the greatest opportunity ever given unto man. What a wonder. What an absolute wonder and grace of God that Felix... And you know, if you and I, if you and I had lived in his district and we knew his doings and we knew how corrupt he was and we knew how the thieves and the robbers and the filth got away because of bribery, I tell you, we would have no use for this man Felix. But God Almighty gave this man Felix an opportunity to sit under the Gospel. And not only did he sit under the Gospel, but the Holy Spirit of God enlightened Felix to his own condition. And what's he going to do? He's going to say, go on away, Paul. I don't want to hear any more about this. This is bothering me. This is concerning me. This is uh, 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 making me uh, to worry. This is making me to tremble. This is making me to think, you know what? People don't want to think about eternity. People don't want to think about dying. People don't want to think about going out to meet God. But know this, you're going out to meet God. You're going out to meet a just and a living God who slew His Son that you could be brought into the family of God. Who may very well have sent you the Gospel and come by with the Holy Spirit and prick your heart. Oh, friend, I say unto you today, know this, you're going out to meet that God. Felix says, go away, Paul. Go away, Paul. Felix answered and said, go thy way for this time. You know, isn't it something? We're all going to get right one day, aren't we? Well, I ask you this. If there's one time appointed to be born and one time appointed to die and one time for man to be saved, do you have any idea whether today is the day that you're supposed to be saved or not? Do you have any idea today? I'm just talking about the foreknowledge of God. Now, if God knows everything, our friend, and that can't be changed, well, preacher, you can change that. How in the world could God have a foreknowledge of what was going to happen if your decision changes that or makes that to be different? No, ma'am, and no, sir. I tell you, God Almighty knows exactly. And the problem is... You don't know. You don't know when your last opportunity will be. You don't know when God will save you. And I'll say this, if God is dealing with you, if God has got you enlightened, if God is dealing with your heart, uh, today could be the day for you to be saved. Listen. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, we then as workers together with Him. (laughs) What's going on? God's working and Paul's working. Paul's working and God's working. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. We then as workers together with Him. Well, preacher, that sounds blasphemous. Oh no. No, it's not. God's in the ultimate control and you're on the timeline. 
God's in ultimate control and Paul is preaching the gospel to a Felix. Our friend Felix, our friend is going to come to this Word of God or Felix is going to reject this Word of God. And you can resist the Holy Spirit. I believe that you could resist the Holy Spirit just like the people that Stephen was talking to. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, man does not want to come down. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be saved today? Well, it's against your nature to start with. Your religion and your ceremony and what you've done, that's enough. I tell you, with that mindset, you may be like Drusilla. God may not deal with you at all today. But Felix realizes his sin. Felix is trembling. Felix is under conviction. Felix has been enlightened. But you know something? It's still against him. It's still against his nature. It's still against Him coming. I tell you, you talk about one of the greatest things. I believe this is one of the greatest things that hinders man. I believe it hindered Felix. His reputation is on the line. You want me to come and bow before you, Paul? It doesn't matter whether you bow before me, whether you bow before Paul, but I tell you what, you better bow before God. That's right. But you see, your reputation, your reputation and your nature and your pride and your unwillingness to admit that God is dealing with you, your unwillingness to admit, our friend, the condition that God has revealed unto you about yourself, your unwillingness to do that keeps you in your seat and keeps you and sends the gospel away. No, Paul. When I've got a more convenient season. So let's think about that word just for a moment. Convenient. So it means this. Fitting in with the person's needs, activities, and plans. Little or no trouble or effort. Comfortable. Would it be comfortable for you today to come with a broken heart and a broken and a contrite spirit? Would it be comfortable for you today to come out of your seat and admit that you need salvation? Would it be comfortable today? Would it be of little or no effort for you to do that? Oh no, I'll tell you something, friend. If you ever get saved, it will not be because it's a convenient season. It will be because the Holy Spirit and the power of God overcomes you and the power of God convinces you and God begins to do a work in you and you see yourself lost and undone and headed down the road to hell. It will not be comfortable. It will not be without effort. I'll tell you, it will be a work of God in you. Not without you. Though. Let's put these two scriptures together. To Noah, God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. I ask you this 
Is God striving with Felix in the text? Is God wrestling with Felix in the text? In Luke, the Bible says this. The disciples said, Lord, are there many that be saved? He said, strive to enter in. So here's God striving. Here is the word to Noah. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Is the spirit of God striving with Felix? Absolutely. Is Felix striving? No, I tell you what Felix wants to do. Felix wants to get out from under this. Felix wants Paul out of his prison. Felix is not going to strive. I'll tell you this, friend, if you get saved, it won't be convenient. It won't be without effort. It will not be easy. It won't be without anything, anything on your part. I'll tell you, it'll be a great wrestling in your mind. It'll be a great wrestling with you. If you send God away, it may very well be the last time God ever deals with you. Let me just clear the air. God is absolutely under no obligation to deal with you to start with. If God was under obligation to deal with you, that would not be grace. You get that rotten doctrine out of your head. God is under no obligation to deal with you. God is just to send me to hell. God is just to send you to hell. And the reason that God dealt with you and dealt with me was because of grace. It's grace that Felix is being dealt with. It's grace that God dealt with you. I want to touch on this Scripture. When thou goest without adversary to the magistrate, so that man there, that man is first, that man is limited in authority, that man can handle minor uh, 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 problems, minor law issues. When you're headed to the magistrate with your adversary, let me tell you this, friend, that you and I have made ourselves adversaries to God. God is my adversary. I am an adversary to God by my sin, by my wickedness, by my ungodliness, by my rebellion, by my missing the pardon, by my transgression, by my iniquity. I am an adversary to God. But I tell you right here he is. God's got a little magistrate standing before Felix. He's not the final authority. Now is he? But he is an authority figure, isn't he? Isn't Paul an authority figure? Luke. Luke twelve fifty eight. When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence. There's some striving. There's some quickness. You know something? You know, I've always heard this, you can't steal in slow motion. Right? So they got a great sale on. <laughs> you know what happens every uh, Black Friday, don't they? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna let uh, 51 TVs that are 60 inches across, 
the first 60 people at Walmart on Black Friday are going to get a $700 TV for $300. How long do you think those are going to last? How long is this opportunity going to last? How long? While they're on thy way with, to the magistrate, you better give diligence to get this settled. Lest what can happen? Lest that thou give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him. Can Felix be delivered? In the foreknowledge of God, does God know whether Felix is going to be delivered or not? Does that exempt Felix from his responsibility? It does not. Lest he hail thee, what a word, lest he drag thee down violently to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer. So the word officer means the exactor or the executor the master of rods and scourging. What's going to happen? I tell you, you're going to get this settled. You're going to get this settled. And listen, Paul is not the final authority. Paul is not the judge. But I believe Paul is a type of the magistrate. He is... He is able to expound and explain and do a, a, an explanation of the law and of righteousness and of judgment to come and of temperance. And Felix is found guilty. What's he going to do? What's Felix going to do? What's going to happen? I tell you, either we're going to come and be saved and admit our guilt and we're going to get rid of our reputation, we're going to throw our religion down, and we're going to go with that conviction and that work of God in our heart, and we're going to wrestle with that. It's going to be a wrestling match. It's going to be a great wrestling match because I tell you what, here is a man that's a, 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 the ruler over this region of Judea. Uh, this man, you mean to tell me that Felix got saved? That would be news going through the community, wouldn't it? What about Drusilla? Is she going to get saved? She was raised a Jewish. Oh, that's good enough. Is that good enough? Mm -mm. I'd read just a verse or two out of Amos chapter number 4. God has done a great work down in Judea. He's withheld the rain. He's caused it to rain on one city and not on another. He's smitten with blasting, with mildew. He's uh, brought down their uh, uh, vineyards and their fig trees. He has slain their young men with the sword. Now, did God actually come down on the scene and do that? But is God in control of that? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Verse number, verse number 12. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. I'll tell you what you better do today. You better make preparation to meet your God. Felix, you better make preparation today to meet your God. 
What's Felix going to do? I tell you, according to Luke chapter number 12 and verse 57 and following, you know what's going to happen? This man's going to be delivered to the judge, and the judge is going to deliver him to prison, and there's not he is not going to get out until he pays everlasting. Will you ever pay for your sin? When I have a more convenient season, will there be a time that will be convenient for you to repent? For you to say I'm wrong? For you to beg God to save you? For you to accept the work that Jesus Christ has done and you rely and trust in that 100%. Will there ever be a day that will be convenient for you to keep your reputation and have God? There's never a day, Larry. No, I tell you what, you're going to have to come down. If you're going up, you will have to come down. If you're going to be like Naaman and you're going to be restored, you're going to have to go down. And then went he down to Jordan. Is Felix going to come down? According to the Word of God, Felix trembled and answered and said, Go thy way this time when I have a convenient season. You know something? i got a preacher friend. His wife is sick. Seriously sick. It is seven weeks out before the doctor can do the work she needs done. Seven weeks out. Let me ask you something. You think we're going to miss that appointment? So you've got the best and the busiest surgeon there is. You're going to miss your appointment? I don't have time. I don't really have time right now for this. I'll tell you what your problem is. Your problem is you're too blessed with the things of this world to consider the value of your soul. You're so wrapped up in the things of this world that you don't realize that your soul lies in the balances. I tell you, friend, it doesn't matter what's on the calendar. If you could see the importance of your soul being satisfied and being brought into the favor of God, you would lay it all down. I'll tell you this. You may say, well, I don't have time to do this tonight, honey. I don't have time to do that, son. I don't have the time to do that, ma'am. I don't have time to do that, my daughter. I'll tell you this, friend. If they go to the hospital tonight, you'll be there all night, and you'll be there tomorrow, and you'll be there the next day. It's all a matter of what importance us and what the opportunity gives us. If there's an opening for you to get in, you better come now. Thanks. We ain't had a song in a long time, Rex. You sing us a song. <laughs>